0: way, and we will talk about that. Well, Derek's going to set that up right now. So, Derek, would you come share with us uh, part three of Acts chapter two? we Will
1: do. Thanks, Rick. There's a lot of life in this room this morning. It's great. We'll take it. Awesome. Well, given that, I'm going to go ahead and take two passages and teach them instead of just one, uh, but do it all in like 20 minutes, so... Um, Yeah, so we're continuing our study through the book of Acts. We're at the end of Acts chapter 2, so let me go ahead and read that passage, and then I've got a short passage from Romans chapter 6 that I want to read to you too. I actually asked Lily to read it to us this morning, and she wasn't up for it, but maybe next time. (laughs) Uh, Acts 2.42. So after Pentecost, this is the response of the believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And the second passage from Romans chapter 6 is uh, Romans 6, starting in verse 8, and it says this, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So we studied last week and the week before uh, this event called Pentecost. And Pentecost was this momentous event in all of human history where God was going to send his Holy Spirit to uh, be within and live amongst all of his people. And this was the way that he was going to establish his kingdom here on earth amongst his people, the church. As you look at the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, there were individuals who were anointed with the Holy Spirit who did really cool things. So kids, if you think of like the Bible stories that you hear in class about Samson, when he pushed the pillars of the pagan temple and it all came crashing down, it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so you kind of see these heroes throughout the Old Testament who were anointed with the Holy Spirit and did really amazing and awesome things. But God also promised that one day he was going to send his Holy Spirit, not just to be upon one person at a certain point of time, but amongst all his people. And that's what we celebrate as the church when we talk about Pentecost. Peter, even in his sermon that that Rick taught last week, said, hey, guys, I know we're speaking in different languages and you might think that we're drunk, but we're not drunk at all. This is what the prophet Joel said was going to happen when God poured out his Holy Spirit and that young men would see visions and that old men would have these dreams. But it was all pointing to this time that God said that he would send his Holy Spirit to be within and live amongst his people. And create a totally new and different way of knowing God, of following God, of living a fruitful life as a human. And he established that through Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, and the sending of his Holy Spirit. The prophet Ezekiel, again, way before this ever happened, said that this was going to happen. It says in Ezekiel uh, 36, to the nation of Israel, I'll take you out of the nations where they were dispersed. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities, from all your idols. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So God actually said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit but I'm going to make you into a completely new person. And so all of us were born one way. The Bible might call it being born in our flesh. So the bad news is we're all born in sin and with this tendency to not do life with God, but to rely upon ourselves, and eventually that path leads to uh, sin and destruction and hurt, and so that's the bad news, Um, but the good news is that God also, through Jesus Christ, had sent his Holy Spirit to live within us. Jesus even said uh, that it's good that I leave you to his disciples, so Jesus was physically on the earth, and I would have thought that would have been pretty good, right? Right? actually walking around with Jesus and having him tell me everything I needed to do. But that wasn't good because within their hearts, they were still sinful. They were still broken. And so Jesus said, hey, guys, it's good that I leave you, that I go to heaven to be with my Father, because only then can I send my Holy Spirit to come to you. And so as crazy as that is to think about that, um, that would be better than Jesus physically being here on this earth in person, Um, that's what Jesus told his disciples. It's actually better that I leave you so that I can send my Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to be amongst us. Jesus also told this religious leader, Nicodemus, who was asking these kind of questions about God's kingdom, Um, he said to Nicodemus, unless you are born again of the Holy Spirit, you can't be a part of this kingdom, God's kingdom. And so, it's actually a a necessary part of us being part of God's kingdom here on earth is receiving, being filled with, and walking in His Holy Spirit. So, Pentecost was this massive deal because it was the fulfillment of that promise from God to His people that He was going to give us His Spirit so that we could be made completely new, that we could be born again of His Holy Spirit, and then live and walk and relate to God and relate to one another in a completely new way that people could never before know God and walk with him or even know one another and love one another before that time. So in Acts chapter 2, we see that event just happened. God did send his Holy Spirit, and, and they were waiting in Jerusalem for this power from on high to come upon the church and they spoke in all of these diverse languages, like uh, we talked about the uh, last couple of weeks. They, um, we saw Peter, Peter preach a really powerful sermon uh, pointing to all of those promises of God in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled. And we saw that 3,000 people came to know God, believe Jesus as King, Savior, and God. So it's really amazing thing. As we look into the chapters that are going to come, we're going to see miracles, we're going to see a bunch more people coming to know God and follow God. Um, but before that happens, God spends these few verses saying, the mechanism through which this is going to happen is through my church. And as you look at this passage, there are just a few things that stood out about their activity. Um, One is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. We see a couple verses later that they sold their possessions, and they had everything in common, and they gave to everyone as there was need. And so you see these very, very practical uh, things that they did that God has given them so that they could deepen their relationship with God and with one another. And so uh, many times when I've heard this passage taught, the emphasis is on those disciplines, the apostles' doctrine or for us kind of the study and the, the taking in of God's word, uh, the Bible, uh, communion, fellowship, prayer, all of these things are amazing. But remember, we're studying what the Holy Spirit did then 2,000 years ago and trying to learn from that, but it's not something where we just want to go copy, paste, repeat. Um, because what we want to know is, okay, God God moved by his Holy Spirit within the church Then, in this particular way, what we want to know now is, we're alive in 2018 in Sherwood, Oregon. How does God, by his Holy Spirit, as part of the same kingdom and as part of the same new life, how does the Holy Spirit want to work amongst and through his church now? And so, um, these things are still really good. I don't want to downplay these disciplines, but it's not something where we just want to go, okay, they did this, so that's the formula and so we want to copy that formula, and then hopefully it will work. Um, what we want to do, though, is, is, is it's awesome to have great, solid doctrine, and we highly esteem the Bible here at Colossae. And it does have the power to reveal the God of the Bible to us so that we can deepen that relationship with him. Uh, we do want to pray. Uh, we will, In fact, the New Testament even says, pray without ceasing, uh, You could also call that like walking in the Holy Spirit. It's the way we commune with God on a regular basis. We talk to him and he talks to us. Like any healthy relationship, praying without ceasing is a critical part of who we are and what we do in our relationship. But it's for the sake of the relationship and not just a formula that we follow. The same can be just said of breaking of bread, of fellowship. All of these things are part of the deal. Um... But I love that it says that they devoted themselves to these things. And we can learn from that too. And we can ask ourselves, even in 2018 in Sherwood, God, by your Holy Spirit, what are some of the disciplines that you have given us that you would want us to go deeper in so that we can um, know you more and commune with you more and that would bring us together as your family and as your church? The other thing that we see in this is not just um, the things that the early church did, but we actually get to see some of what was going on kind of in their minds and hearts and souls. Some of kind of like the the adjectives or descriptors of what it was like. And so um, I read it to you, but are there any descriptors, like phrases or adjectives that stood out to you as we were reading about the church, in terms of kind of what was driving this deep commitment to one another and to God? It's a, it's a little bit hard because we weren't necessarily trained to pay attention to those aspects of this passage, but what, what did you hear? They're filled with awe. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're these very kind of profound descriptive words of of, man, they weren't just going through the motions, um, but they were were just filled with awe at this whole thing that God, this new thing that God was doing by his Holy Spirit. Yeah, what else? Gladness. Gladness. Yeah, yeah. What else? Favor amongst the people. Yeah, so some of the things that stood out to me as I was looking at this is everyone was filled with awe. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And so you see actually this uh, almost lightness. Um, behind these activities um, where it's, it's joy and it's gladness and it's awe that is motivating that. And for us, it's the same thing. I mean, that, that, that's why when we took communion at the beginning of the gathering, it was to remember what God has done through Jesus and actually take some time to start our gathering in this place of awe in terms of who God is, what he has done through Christ, um, and what he continues to do. Because just like Pentecost was a fulfilled promise, that was not the end of something. That was the beginning of something that God started to do and continues to do today by his Holy Spirit as part of his good news to humanity. And with that good news comes gladness and sincere hearts and Deep fellowship with each other and awe. And all of these things um, are things that we experience as we come into the presence and the glory of God together as a church. We gather to, for, and around Jesus, but we also enjoy this fellowship with one another as we do that. I was reminded as I was preparing for this passage of the picture of the, the tabernacle or the temple. So in the Old Testament, uh, God's presence was experienced in a physical place, and it started with the making of the tabernacle. And when they are making the tabernacle, there are descriptions of people being filled or anointed with the Holy Spirit so that God could build that tabernacle where people would experience his presence and his glory. Well, that tabernacle would eventually become a physical temple But that temple could be destroyed, and it was destroyed um, by other nations. And so there was this time uh, in the Old Testament, if you're familiar with the prophet Ezra and like Nehemiah in that time, where they were rebuilding the walls of the city of Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple, uh, where um, Zechariah says to the people who are building that temple, uh, this guy named Zerubbabel in in particular, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so God built his tabernacle by his Holy Spirit. God rebuilt his temple by the Holy Spirit through people. And God calls us, the church, all of his people, the temple of God. And Jesus is the chief cornerstone of that temple. And so we're all positioned around Jesus as part of God's temple in this day and age. And actually the Bible says eventually there will be a new temple, a physical temple, where we get to actually be in his presence and worship him in person. Um, but right now, this day and age that we live in, we are the temple of God. And he builds this temple called the church, just like he built the tabernacle, just like he built, rebuilt the temple by his Holy Spirit. And so uh, we get to enjoy and participate in that. It's not by might nor by power, but by the Holy Spirit of God. But that said, we get a role to play because we actually are the temple. And so uh, his presence and his glory dwells within us and amongst us as the church. And this is what God started nearly 2,000 years ago with Pentecost. He sent his Holy Spirit so that we could have this dynamic where we're not just doing life the same way that we've always done life. Uh, We don't have to rely upon our own strength or our own might, um, but we actually get to do life in a completely different way. And that's the last thing I wanted to take note of in this passage, is uh, there are a couple things that made me uncomfortable reading this. One was, they sold all of their possessions and gave them away. That's that's pretty radical. They also met every single day together as the church, and for me, that was like, well, that's... I love you guys. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> um, but, but and, and that was a different time and a different context. Um, but at the same time, I can't completely explain it away and write it off as if that's insignificant. Um, there was a complete reorienting of their lives around being part of God's kingdom and living life in this new way that he's invited us into by his Holy Spirit. And... Um, that's a contrast to what everything that they had done in terms of their approach to life until that point. And so we as the church uh, also are part part of this kingdom, part of God's kingdom that he is establishing here on earth. And uh, we have been invited in and delivered into this new life, filled with this Holy Spirit where we have deep relationship with him and we have deep devotion to one another. And so for... For me, um, what that challenged me to think about is what are some of the ways that God would want us to continue to deepen our relationship with him and experience of this new life and what are some of the ways that he would uh, ask us to reorient our lives around our love for one another because we're to be known as his disciples by our love for one another. And so this is both a a celebration of this new life that God has invited us into, but it's also a challenge to step back and go, okay, there's a certain way that if we were just to go with the flow, our lives would look. And we would have certain priorities and our schedules would be dictated by certain things. Um, But if we were to step back and go, Okay, we are not part of this world, we are not citizens of this world, but we are part of God's kingdom in this world. And we are part of this new way of doing life, filled with his Holy Spirit, what would that look like? And again, that's not a guilt trip, but that is, what would the next step of reorienting our lives around Jesus Christ and the kingdom that he is establishing look like? Um. And that's not, a, that's not a guilt trip, that is, that is, man, God's already started this work a long time ago, and he's actually started a really beautiful, powerful work here within this church family. But what is our next step together? Because what we will see is that God turns the, this world upside down through the, this explosion of his Holy Spirit showing up in this new kingdom, we're going to see that... Um, play itself out in the chapters that we study through the rest of the book of Acts. But also, it's playing itself out in individual lives within this room and individual marriages within this room. And and then, for sure, as we scatter out to the places that we work, go to school, uh, into our neighborhoods, um, God's Holy Spirit is still expanding. And it is still reaching. And um, we get to be a part of that. And so this morning, um, we want to both remember that, but we also want to leave room in our minds and hearts to say, okay, God, by your Holy Spirit, what's next? What do you want to do? Um, I think all of us can sense that God is doing something and has started something really unique and special here. And on- honestly, as uh, one of the leaders here at A. Sherwood, uh, it just doesn't feel forced. And I, I love that because... It doesn't feel like we're striving or trying to make something happen. We're participating in what God is naturally, supernaturally leading us into by his Spirit. And um, the foundation for all of the miracles that we'll see in the book of Acts and the explosion of of people coming to know God, um, it, it, it started at Pentecost, but the next step of that was the church devoting themselves to God and to one another. And so that's what we want to focus on this morning, is that deep devotion to God and to one another. We're going to talk uh, about some really practical ways that um, we feel like God gives us uh, platforms and disciplines that we can create uh, as a church family to um, respond to this scripture. Uh, And I'm actually going to invite Rick to come up and share some of that with us.
0: Yeah, thank you, Derek. I just love the practicality of um, God's plan. And, and today we're going to step into that practicality in, in a deeper way. Uh, I would certainly agree with Derek that as we have been praying, and I think praying more earnestly for Colossae Sherwood and realizing that God hasn't called us to work really hard and to hone and perfect human skills, but he's given us the Holy Spirit To actually make something very special and unique about what it means to be together as the people of God, uh, that we're waiting for that, and we're relying on that. And and I'm sensing that as I'm preparing to teach and as we are getting together to worship, that God is honoring that. And I just kind of feel like every week there's a little bit more of this sense that God is working more and we are working less. And I hope you are experiencing that as well. And that's not just an experience for Sunday. That's an experience for daily life. And one of the ways that we can promote that together is by being together more than just on on Sunday and being together during the week and being together in community, which has always been a high value. So here are some practical things that when I'm done, I hope you feel them as, hey, I've just been equipped to be a part of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our church. So just this week, we released an app for Colossae Sherwood. And this is going to become the centerpiece of communication and information for us. And we're going to work hard to keep it up to date. So maybe you have a child in your hand and you can't do it right now. But when you have hands free, go to your phone and you can go to the app store and you'll see this app called Colossae Church. And when you open it up, you download it and open it up, you'll see one time you'll see this screen here that says, welcome to Colossae Tigered. And there are some options. And the option I hope you pick is Sherwood. From then on, when you open the app, it will automatically open up to Sherwood. And then from then on, moving forward, you'll see the third screen. When you open it, and here are four tabs that move us towards staying engaged and connected. The top tab will be all about community, ways to be part of community, and how to serve on a Sunday. And then gatherings. Uh, there's information in all of these places. And hopefully this will be your go-to spot. Hey, I heard about that women's event. When is it again? Go to the app. The, uh, it'll be there, and it'll tell you, hey, which communities again do we have how do I contact them? Where do we meet? Go to Engage. Hey, I want to tell my friend about the church, and I forgot what time we meet and the address. Go to About, and that will tell you about it. Hey, I want to see the message again and hear what Derek said again about Acts chapter 2. Go to Messages, and you can hear the message. So everything in one place. So we look forward to that. The other thing is this. We have had only three communities for the last six months. Today, we double from three to six so we have new hosts, and we have new leaders, and we're going to go from 3 to 6, and I believe before the year is over, we might go to 7 or 8, which would be fantastic, so that there's a place for everyone here to be a part of community. So if you go to the website later on when your hands are free, uh, you can check out the six communities that we have, the green ones that are listed here, Brockman, Hazelbrook, Lad Hill, Stafford, Stellar, and Woodhaven. These are Sherwood communities specifically. Tigard has somehow snuck into the middle of our map, but we're going to be okay with that because we're a family of churches. But the six green ones you see are our six communities, and I want you to see where they are so that when it's time to look, you might start with the community closest to where you live. That may be one reason to go to a particular community. It's not the only reason, but it can be a great place to start. So that's where they are. And now the next slide here is who they are. These are actually six email addresses. Every community has one, and these are our communities. And I'm going to have these leaders come up in just a minute. But we have the Brookman community, the Hazelbrook community, the Lad Hill community, the Stafford Road community, the Stellar community. Yes, that's not quality. That's actually a street in Sherwood. And then we have Woodhaven. So what we want to do now real quick is to bring up these leaders and these hosts. So, guys, if you would come up. We're going to have you introduce yourselves. Tell us what night you're meeting, and uh, and then you'll have faces to identify as you see this on the website. And guys, come up and line up. But when it's your turn to introduce yourself, you're going to have to come over here to the mic. So, because we don't have a hundred foot of cord. I want to take just a couple of minutes to share with you something that the Holy Spirit has been teaching me constantly for the last month. And I think it's so critical and it's so important. Most of our life is built around, in the United States, an economy of goods and services. And so we kind of get into this mindset of interacting with institutions and places and people around goods and services. I go to a store not to see my favorite clerk, might, but that'd be secondary. It's primarily goods and services. And this is how we live our life. And when the goods and services aren't being provided that we want, then we switch opportunities. We shop. We go somewhere else because there are certain goods and services that I am after, And I want to invite you today, I know you're working hard at this, to get ourselves free from the idea of goods and services when it comes to the church and to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not an economy of goods and services. It's an economy of relationships. It's economy of human beings. And so we want to get set free from kind of church shopping where I'm looking for the goods and services that I want. But instead, I'm looking for the people I can trust, the people I'm safe with, and the people I can love. That's, that's why we choose to go where we are. And I hope that's why you're here. I hope you're here because these are some cool people. And I love them. And they're really special. Now, we do some things for one another. And we provide a sense of good and services. But can we commit together? Those will always be secondary. And we won't make choices around the goods and services of the community that I go to. Do they do community the way I like it done? Is the food that is served the food that I would order at my favorite restaurant? Well, it actually could be. It actually might even be better. But it may not be. But just let's call ourselves to freedom from goods and services in church and in community. And let's be in church and let's be in community because God is there and some people I love is there, are there. Good grammar. Thank you, Rick. Keep this in mind, so even if you're not in community and you might visit, ask God, can I love these people, not do I like the way they do what they're doing, amen, yeah, let's not be an economy of goods and services, but of people who are deeply in love with each other, all right, so the first, well, I'm just going to do it the way you're standing here, look at this beautiful family, they look super hospitable, so this is the Lad Hill community, tell us about hosting and where you're going to be and when you're going to meet.
1: Hey, you guys. You probably wrecked.